I'm Silvahara Petion. Welcome to my show. We talk ordinary people, extraordinary stories, living life on their own terms. Hello, everybody. I'm Silvahara Petion. Welcome to another edition of the Silvahara Petion Show. We have a great program for you to help you sort of take your mind off of all of the things that are going on in our lives, whether it's the heat and the weather or you're having some technical issues or you're dealing with the horrible effects of COVID or the economy. Um, my goal is to bring you stories that matter, that may, that help you stay inspired and motivated in your life. And no one better to embody all of that than my next guest, Narbe Mansurian. He, first and foremost, he would agree with me that this introduction would be appropriate to say he's first and foremost a father. Um, he is a teacher by profession, um, and he is the, I have to check because I have to get this right, the 11-time bench press world champion record holder. Did you hear me correctly? 11 times. Now, in my show, I usually feature ordinary people with extraordinary stories, and Narbe is one of them. I have to be honest, we've been connecting on social media for a while. Um, it wasn't until yesterday that I saw a, an interview he did with someone that I realized that this gentleman who's been on my social media feeds, uh, the man who I know as an, a really funny and incredible teacher, has this incredible story to tell. In addition to all the things that he does, he has this incredible gift that he shares with the world. So thank you so much for taking time and showing up today on this program. I know it was last minute. I really very much appreciate you making time for us. Hi, Narbe. Hi, Sipa. Um, first and foremost, yeah. uh, tell me where you're from and where you reside so people know lo location-wise where you are. Well, I live in Los Angeles, California, the Los Angeles area. And um, originally, I'm of Armenian descent, uh, born in uh, Paris, France, and raised partly in France and Tehran, Iran, as well as uh, the United States. Wow, so I didn't know you were born in, born in France. Um, you know, all of us Armenians, Iranians, um, anybody with an Armenian background, we tend to have a very diverse sort of experience in life just because of our history. Tell me a little bit about how you came to be born in France. Well, so my parents, after they got married in Iran, moved immediately to uh, France, where they traveled extensively in Europe and uh, made Paris their home. Uh, they wanted to work there and also study there, and that's where Little Narbe was born. Uh, so as a result, my, the first few years of my life were in France. That's amazing. Um, do you remember anything about being in France? Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, you know, I was in France, so both as as a as a little boy, I remember when I was three, four, five years old, but also when I came back from Tehran when I was ten, eleven, twelve years old, I also remember that as well. And then I've and I've uh, come back to visit France. I'm very nostalgic about it, and I stay very uh, close to the French culture. Uh, reading a few French novels uh, a year, uh, keeping up with the pop culture, the music the politics, and of course, the sports. I'm a very, very big uh, fan of the French national team in soccer. That's amazing, which also tells me that you're fluent in French. 
Yes. Um, was that on purpose? Did you, have you been, I mean, throughout your life, I assume the exposure to, you know, being in, going and coming from France, but also you have, it sounds to me like you've invested in time and effort in maintaining the language and being aware of, of working on that. Talk to me about that. Absolutely. Learning a language is like, or upkeeping a language, I would say is, is akin to, uh, you know, w working out on a daily basis, uh, practicing a certain instrument or martial art on a daily basis or watering plants on a daily basis. You have to cultivate it. You have to feed it. Uh, you can't just learn a language and then stand, uh, sit on your laurels and say, I learned it. You have to really keep up with different parts of the language from the, uh, you know, the, the proper way to, 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 to read and speak it um, all the way down to, to the slang, the different the vernaculars. You know, um, all of us immigrants who have immigrant stories, all, we all have, we, there's a lot of patterns and similarities, but there's also very unique stories among our patterns. And one of the things that I heard you say uh, during that interview I was listening to is you talked about your father and how that sh has shaped the man that you've become. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how that's impacted who you are today? Well, absolutely. So my biological father, and by the way, I just might make the distinction between my biological father and stepfather only in these situations. I just want to say that my stepfather has more than come in and become my father and, and embraced me as his own and his amazing grandfather, grandfather to my children. But, but uh, going back to my biological father, he was uh, involved in um, in a group that was against uh, the the regime in uh, in Iran at the time, there were the eighties, and as a result was captured and uh, thrown in the uh, political prison, Evin prison, uh, for uh, almost a year. Um, after which he was uh, he was executed. And I remember vividly going to visit him in uh, in prison. On a regular basis, I was six or seven years old. Uh, my mother would always tell me to kind of make myself a little smaller so that she could tell uh, the guards that I was only four years old so I could physically uh, be with my uh, father. Because, you know, in the eyes of the captors, the smaller you are, um, the less you remember. Even though I remember all these things uh, exactly the, the, the way they were. Anyway, uh, after he was uh, he was killed, uh, you know, we we had we had to we had to move on. My mom remarried a couple years later to this wonderful man. Uh, we moved back to France, and uh, my my younger brother was born. And again, that was a blessing all in itself. It goes to show you that you know you cannot keep all the flowers in one garden. Some will wilt, but others will blossom. At least. It, that really resonates in my in my story. Um, you know, my father's spirit is is in me on a daily basis. Uh, when I turned thirty seven, which is around the, which is the age that he died, uh, 
I was both feeling melancholy, but also feeling a burst of happiness that I'm going to make it count and I'm going to live as long a life as I can. And it really, 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 uh, experience uh, everything to the fullest, something that, that he didn't get to do, um, you know, in, in his, in his short lived life. So, um, the, the man that I am, the father that I am is, is a testament to him. I heard you say something very moving. You said that it, it fueled your commitment to your health. It fueled your commitment to uh, self-development and being the greatest person physically, mentally, emotionally that you can be so that you could be here for your children as long as possible, humanly possible, as you know what it's like not to have that or to have that taken away from you as a child. And I thought, what a what an introspective um, thing to say for someone who um, had such a great loss at such a young age. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, when no, obviously what, what happened to me, it's, it's not something that I would wish on anyone else. At the same time, uh, whatever happens to us, we have to, after a while, after we go through all the processes of grieving, we have to look at it as a, as, as a learning moment. So for me, it was, okay, how can I be the best parent that I can be? How can I be the best hands-on father that I can be? Because Obviously, because of my father's activities, he could not be there for me on a daily basis. So that's something that I decided um, to change as, as a parent, as much as I respect what he did uh, and what he stood for. Um, I wanted to be one who, who was there every step of the way with my children. If you are listening to this interview on the radio or if you're listening to the podcast, I um, highly encourage you to also go find this interview on YouTube because one, I want you to meet Narbe face to face. I want you to, to, to see his demeanor and his disposition of who he is and who he comes across as on screen. And if you do do that, just know that we're having some technical problems. So if things are lagging, it's, it's out of our control. But I think his story is so incredible and important that I'm going to push through all of the issues that we're having today to get it out. Um, you know, I want to rewind back to you talking about the experience of your, your dad being uh, imprisoned and uh, being a political prisoner. And, you know, I was born in Iran as well. I experienced a lot of that re regime change. And I remember it like yesterday, um, all of the things that were happening around us. And I want to put a little bit of context to all of this, because I think when people in the United States, in the comforts of our homes, um, think about this kind of stuff. We don't realize that in other countries, freedom of speech does not exist, and um, standing up for what's right does. You do not have the guarantee of safety. You don't have the guarantee of being open and honest and speaking your mind and. You know, the democratic way of doing things that we're used to in this in this country doesn't exist. So, you know, so many of us got to experience what that looks like and feels like in the last year and a half during, you know, the unrest. Um, and many of us have been fortunate enough to express our feelings and our thoughts. 
but in countries like the one we come from that doesn't exist and the impact i think the collateral damage is what we see as children having to grow up with those images and those experiences and those traumas and for you um you know the losing your father and you talk about going to visit him in jail and i think people have this vision of what it looks like based on what we see on television but it's nothing like that over there um so i i want to put some credence and some emphasis to that experience because it's not what we americans envision it to be you know how do you convey that as a teacher you're a teacher i'm sure you talk about these things with your students how do you convey that to create this sense of appreciation in your students well i sometimes share my experiences with them obviously very uh in a very age appropriate way and also it it it, it manifests in my no nonsense attitude about things about how sometimes so many of the things that one complains about are trivial and uh so I'll give snippets of different parts of my life for for them to see how how fortunate they are and how to uh how to really embrace it uh obviously I can only say it firsthand which comes to them second hand so they they might not be able to fully grasp it but for them to see that these people people like me exist and I was able to go through a very surreal type of a childhood and existence and uh I made a you know I'm making a positive impact as a result yeah did that did that experience have anything to do with you you and the and the profession that that you've chosen uh yes uh to an extent uh well you know my mother is a teacher she's been a teacher for years so i think that is in me i've always loved being there for people coaching helping others but also it was because i can count on my left hand how many great teachers i've had in my life and how many mediocre and horrible ones i had um when i was little you know second third grade the teachers would would physically and emotionally abuse you uh you know from 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 pulling you by the ear to to hitting you on top of the head to putting a pen between your fingers and squeezing it uh a ruler on top of your knuckles uh prayer prayer beads on your um on the uh you know on the palm of your hands and this isn't just Iran this was also in 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 Paris so and that makes a big impact on you uh it can be traumatic but i was able to turn it around to say okay when i'm when i'm a teacher i'm not going to do that so i know how how powerful it can be how how my words how my actions can really impact a child in so many ways um i've been able to use that in my parenting and also as a teaching that you know if the, the moment i made a mistake I'll be the one to to show humility and say you know I messed up I'm so sorry and that goes such a long way for children yeah and, you know our our experiences sure do define who well I'm not going to say that because it does not define who we are 
how we how we react to them defines who we are but it does shape who we become um it does impact us in ways that um you know that that are ir irreversible right so as a young child going to school in iran i remember those those days right i remember the ab abuse because that's how it seemed like that's how they got through to, to kids but now we know the traumatic impact such things have on children so um i'm really glad to hear that you sort of have taken that and have have turned it around or are using it for as a positive influence as a parent and also as a teacher and and since we're on the on the subject of teaching let's talk a little bit about your teaching style because i have to say i am entertained and so i know that all of your students are entertained you're you're a math teacher you also i've heard you say you teach language and you've taught many other subject matters but you're not and you're not a ordinary teacher talk to me about that <laughs> so in the course of my 20 years i've worn many hats um you know most math has been my staple but i've taught history current events science french spanish uh chess elective i mean so many things that i've that i've juggled and i've tried to always be as an, animated as possible and bringing in humor um to the classroom um, to try to make sure that the kids don't come in with any type of anxiety because i know that that can really be crippling to to adults and and and, and children alike when covid happens i wanted i felt like i owed it to my students to give them something extra. So what I decided to do was to make instructional videos on a daily basis um, and making, uh, I made up this talk show called Make It Count, which is a math pun. And I'll tell you why I also have, have that saying that that's even has a deeper meaning. And so I would have started with on this edition of Make It Count and then like I would turn my camera, I have, a, I have a whiteboard here, I'm in my uh, dining room, and I will start writing and whatever, and it was always just some sort of crazy skit with a wig and teeth, or you know, sometimes it was just like, you know, putting an orange peel in my, in my teeth and turning into a boxer, uh, changing accents. And so even the, the child who was remedial, who's, uh, for whom math was not their thing, they were, they were looking forward to it. And even when we got back, to uh, in-person teaching, uh, I continued that, um, and, and I intend to do so. And there was this one child who, who loved it when I said, make it count. He was the only one who understood it. Um, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, he and his sister were, were uh, tra tragically killed by, by a drone drive. And, and, both, and both of them, I, and I had them as my students. And I wanted to, I wanted to do something to to honor them on on a daily basis, and so because that was like our thing, you know, I start every, every one of my classes with make it count, and I end it with don't forget to make it count. Now most of my students don't even know what that's about. Maybe I'll tell them at the, at the very very end, but it doesn't matter because the the spirits of 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 that boy and girl are, are alive in that classroom. Make it count. 
other than it being tell me what the what the what the meaning is what the other than the fact that it's honoring the student that got it for those who are watching and listening who don't get it <laughs> it will make to make an account it's, it's just basically uh you know living living with intention every 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 second of the way every step of the way uh really really be there in spirit and not just in body um, a lot of times, you know, we're checked out. A lot of times, like I said, we are so consumed with things that are so mundane and so trivial that we don't see the, the, the beauty in things. And um, for me, it's easy, easier, I would say, because of the path that I've gone through, because, you know, just like you um, lived through, uh, you know, nights of bombings where we had to turn off even a flashlight where we had to uh, drive out of uh, the capital Tehran because we were tipped off that the Iraqi planes were going to be bombing on our heads. And so we had to try to get out of the city uh, as, uh, as fast as we could through gridlock. So it's interesting because when I was look, going through all that back then as a kid, it was normal. That was my normal existence. And now that I look back into it, and really dissects those moments. I think to myself, "Oh my God, it's surreal." Now, and I and I don't even look at it as, "Oh my goodness, I I I was unfortunate." Actually, I look at it as being very like rich, rich in life, having seen that. You know, you can't honestly, you can't make this up, folks. I I lived it, and that's and to me, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm really rich in it for having seen it, for having seen that part of life to be able to enjoy this. You know, you, you touched on something earlier we talked about. It is somewhat surreal, right? Um, coming from the life that we've come from. And you mentioned some of the things, what life used to be like, right? Growing up and also how, how normal that seemed. Can we yeah. talk about that for a second? Well, you, because you know what it is. Human beings are extremely resilient and whatever happens to us little by little becomes becomes a norm and it's not till you separate yourself from it that you see how how grandiose it was uh and for us again it was it was normal you know oh the iraqi planes are coming so let's turn off our flashlights um oh let's let's try to leave uh, the capital of tehran uh because you know, we've been tipped off that there, there, there might be bombings. And all those became normal. And it's not till that I got here and I share stories with others or saw other people's stories that I realized mine is extremely unique. And if I really didn't live this, I would think that it's, it's all made up. So it's, it's actually very fascinating to me. And I would not trade places with anybody. Um, even though some of those experiences were not pleasant, but it, but it shapes, it shapes who you are. And, and honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, it certainly does shape who we are. It also allows us to have a different perspective on, on life. It allows us to have a different appreciation for the simple things in life, uh, not to take granted the fact that we have electricity, not to take granted for the fact that we have running water, not to have granted for the fact that you can go to sleep every night without worrying about whether 
that next plane or that next missile or that next bomb is going to land on top of you or on top of somebody else that you know. I mean, these are things that when you are living them, even though as a child they seem normal, it, it gets, the trauma gets embedded in your, in your DNA. And it requires awareness. And I'm speaking from my experience and based on talking to you, I assume you've gone through this as well. It, it requires awareness on our part individually to then use that as fuel to do something else, to use it as fuel to do something better. Because there's a lot of people we know that have that it's impacted them negatively, right? It's, it's, it's caused them to go the opposite direction. Um, and I consider myself fortunate, I'm sure you do, that to have somewhere along the way on this journey, somehow I felt like making an impact and living in integrity was a bigger purpose and a bigger cause than anything else that I might have been tempted by. Um, and that sounds to me like is also in your realm because everything I've heard so far has been of service of others, of honoring others, of being the best you can be, which then also allows us to take the conversation to where we want to go, which is this world-class gift that you have that is incredible. Um, I want to hear about how you discovered you even had this gift and when was that and how did that come about? Uh, from the time I was little, I, I always knew that I was a, I was a little fireball. I was always, you know, trying to race people. I was always, you know, arm wrestling people and I was pretty good at it for my size. Um, I was uh, Wait, hold on. Before we go on, you said my size. So let's, I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, you can get a perspective. But for those of you listening on the radio, you may not realize it. So can you give us your stats? And I oh, normally yeah. wouldn't ask, but in this case, it's important. Well, of course, of course. I'm uh, five foot six. 148 pounds uh, so obviously I'm not a, I'm not a very big guy um, I was always a big fan of soccer and rugby and I, and I always played it in college I wanted to play rugby and uh, the coach sent me to the side and said hey listen you know you're pretty quick but you need to work on your upper body so here's this workout regimen and one of them one of the things that I needed to do was a bench press and I remember famously saying what's a bench press it was the one where you lay down on your back and whatnot. I said, okay. And I remember initially I could barely do the bar, but I quickly got a hang of it to the point of getting better exponentially, not just linearly. It was such a wild ascent. In the process, I didn't get much bigger, just got stronger and stronger. Like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And Initially, I didn't know what to do with it, aside from just it making the waves and making the rounds in, in the local newspaper in, in, in college, and then later on, just at the gym, like, oh, look at how much this guy can do. But then I remember someone said, well, you know, there's a competition at Venice Beach. This was in the year 2000. Why don't you give it a try? And I, I remember I, I got second place. Like, oh my goodness, this is nuts. And so I continued on. and. Next thing I know, regionals, national, states, world, world records. I mean, it's even thinking about it, I feel like I'm talking about someone else. It's, I mean, and to me, just like we talked about, just like you were saying initially was, it's whatever experience you have, right? And you were talking about mostly like not so pleasant experiences. It's how you perceive it and what you want to make of it, because we could have gone a completely different direction. 
this gift that I was given, I can't pass it on to someone else because it's, it's like, again, I don't want to put myself at that level, but like, imagine, um, you know, uh, let's say a very talented painter, painter, a Van Gogh saying, okay, here's how you paint it. You can't, you can't give it to someone else. So it's something that I needed to, uh, respect and cherish and, and keep at it and, and, uh, and water and cultivate. Do you remember the first time you realized that this was something more than just you pressing in the gym and people being impressed and you being like strong? Do you remember the first time you like it hit you that it was like, oh my, this is like, this is more than what I thought it was. Yeah, no, I, I remember this was, yeah, this was in the, my, my college gym and it was sort of like you know when when uh, you know in a movie someone um says something wrong or someone someone walks in and all of a sudden pss, the music stops and everyone turns around it was that type of moment because people just stopped and looked and they're looking at the weights and they're looking at me and i said and i was like don't look at me i don't know and, and it just it was kind of like yeah i'm not sure what's going on here it was it was unbelievable. I mean, this goes to show you all the things that we are good at, but we're we're unaware of. You know, all the things. I mean, there's a, might be a multitude of things, so many things that I might be good at, you might be good at, but that you haven't you haven't had the time, had the bandwidth to even touch, right? But it gives you, um, it motivates you to try different things, to try new things in life. You know, it's, it's, uh, so in it's, it's, it's made me want to be even a, a more well-rounded person to have that thirst for learning and not just for fitness, but just in, 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 in many, many facets. So, um, so I was in college and you are what, five, six or so, I assume. Yeah. And you, um, you're about 140 some odd pounds, 46, 47, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Something along those lines. And here you are. What are you benching? The, uh, initially, I was, I was. Oh, on that to... day when people like when you you know the, oh. when when people stopped and you realized you were there was some what what, what were you benching on that, that day? Remember? you know it was like 225 pounds and that was just maybe three or four times. Now I can do it like 12, 13 times, but just. Back then, like, whoa, okay, let's do something with this. Let's see. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's absolute lunacy. I can't even. I, I don't. I myself don't don't understand. I mean, it's, what's it's like your, what's, those... okay. So people are gonna want to know. So I'm gonna. I assume that you have videos and pictures and whatnot. So for those of you listening, I highly encourage you to watch this video interview on YouTube. You're gonna be annoyed because my internet is going haywire and we're both freezing on screen but this is such a great conversation i'm going to continue going and uh, i'm going to show some videos of, of him actually doing this and some pictures so for people who are listening who have a hard time understanding what pounds equate to and i know you're a math teacher so you can do this right so what does 200 and what did you say 225 pounds 25 I mean... pounds what does that equate to in terms of 
in terms of what? Okay. In terms oh. of how many what would that, would that be for you to lift? Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, 200. Well, a, uh, how, about, how about a small bear? <laughs> uh, I mean, that, because I, I, that, I, that's how I have to say it to, to my students, for instance. Pushing off a big animal off of you, a big muscular, you know, a medium-sized cow <laughs> off of you. So um, if I'm if I'm gonna get lost in the woods, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to have you with me <laughs> because yeah, exactly. you will be able to lift the bear off of us. Is what yeah. you're saying? Okay, exactly. That's awesome. So then you moved on and you have you have a record, right? So what is your record? Yeah, the world record. I have a world record in my weight class: three hundred ninety-two pounds. I have it right here. 392 pounds and I weighed in at 147 pounds. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it's crazy. And I did it without a bench press shirt. So a bench press shirt uh, is a shirt that some people wear that tightens your upper body and it helps you protect you from injuries, but it's also like it springs it back up. I don't do that and it's to each their own. So I, uh, Obviously, if, if you wear that shirt, you, you can get more. I did it without, and, uh, you know, I did mine in a uh, drug-tested federation as well. So that's also another thing that I take a uh, lot of pride in. Um, but, yeah, so I, I hold 11 world titles um, and many world records in different categories, in different federations. Um, and you know, and I, and I intend to, to continue on because I still blessed with, with good health at age 45, um, that I can still compete against people who are pretty much half my age now. Um, can, to me, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mindset, you know, it's not a, I don't like having a defeatist attitude. Uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier that, you know, when, Anytime I, I say something, someone will say, oh, it's, oh I'm old. Or I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I, well, I don't feel that way. And if I do have, for example, I don't know, if, if my arm hurts and someone says, well, it's because well, you're getting older. I said, well, maybe it's because of the fact that I worked out for two hours, right? I would have had that same arm made 20 years ago as well. So, um, and one thing that I always say is, uh, this, uh, my motto, my saying is the biggest equalizer and neutralizer to getting older is, is better habits, healthy habits. You can't sit there and do what you did when you were 20 years old. Uh, and with that, then you, uh, you're honoring yourself, you're honoring your body and also serving as as a motivator to your peers and and people younger than you. What kinds of doors has this uh, opened for you? What kinds of opportunities has this created for you that you would have never even thought about because you kind of, you really went into to play rugby and wanted to, to do some professional sports, but what, what has this done for you? Um, What's surreal, you know, I've the people I've met all around the world, all around the country. I've been to almost every state and so many places that I did not get, that I would not have gotten the opportunity to, to go. Um, I've gotten to meet so many amazing people um, who, uh, other athletes, other competitors. 
And I've been able to share this joy with, with my loved ones because, uh, you know, my loved ones have also been so supportive of me in this journey. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, it's, it's, it's been truly a blessing. You know, obviously, this is a great gift that you've been given. And something you mentioned is, is not something you can pass on to someone else. Um, but you have also decided that you're going to put this gift to use in a way that it brings attention to a cause, something that's close to your heart. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. About 18 years ago or so, uh, there was a little boy at, in the preschool section of our school who, uh, who I used to play with and who had a great affinity towards uh, but I noticed that his mobility and movement were not up to par in comparison to his peers. And it uh, turns out that he had uh, muscular dystrophy. And once I found that out, I decided to use muscular dystrophy in my competitions as a platform uh, to raise awareness for this. Because, you know, here I am, or my peers, you know, in these competitions complaining that, oh, they they should have done five pounds more, whereas they've already done like 350 pounds or whatever it is. And here is this child who's fighting for his life. And so it was, that was so humbling to me because a child like him is, is really the champion. So it really helps put things in perspective and it's really humbling and it, and it really gives a cause, it gives a, a direction to why I'm doing this. That's awesome. Thank you for, for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, I want to say again, uh, uh, father, uh, uh, fifth and sixth grade teacher, 11 world bench press titles, um, an incredible human who also um, has made being of service a, a priority in his life. If you are interested in connecting with Narbe, you can find him on Instagram. Am I okay to say that? Yes. Um, and give him some support. I'm sure your students will be so excited to, to, do, to, to hear you on the radio. Um, guys, listen, I really wanted to do this interview, so I have pushed through all of our technical issues today because I wanted to get it on the air, but I promise you we will do another interview in person where we won't have any issues with our audio or our video um, so that we can talk extensively about um, how to take all of our adversities, um, how to overcome, how to turn them into fuel to be a better version of ourselves because we can't learn it from anyone better than the person who's been through it, who's done it, who's been there, who's had to have the mental fortitude and capacity to push through some of the challenges life has, has offered in order to be in a place um, of greatness. So thank you so much for Narbe. I really, really appreciate you giving us your time. And this has been another edition of the Silvahara Petty on Show. I will see you next time. Bye. I'm Silvahara Petty on. Welcome to my show. We talk ordinary people, extraordinary stories, living life on their own terms. 